The Book Thingo podcast is a lively discussion about romance books, culture, and banging on. Amy Andrews joins us for episode 66, recorded at RWA in Sydney. Book Thingo would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this episode was recorded, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We also acknowledge the contributions of Australia's Indigenous people to our shared literary heritage. Welcome to the Book Thingo podcast, talking about books we love, especially romance, kill a fairy Welcome back to the Book Thingo podcast. I'm Kat Mayo from bookthingo.com.au, an Aussie blog for romance readers. Last episode, we discussed safer sex in romance. In this episode, I continue the condom conversation with Australian author Amy Andrews, who says that just because you don't read about a condom doesn't mean it isn't there. One of your latest writing projects that really intrigued me was The Women of War. Yes. Which I believe was for SK Publishing. It was, yes. And it was a collaboration with other authors, one author per book, centred around a women's AFL league. Yes. League? Did I get the terminology right? I think it's a league, yes. <laughs> Although this is a Sydney side of asking a Queenslander side. Exactly, exactly, yes. I think it's league, yeah. What was it like writing a female-centric sporting novel in a sport where it's we usually only really see men playing well I am not really a sports person so I always find aspects of that challenging thankfully Nick and Kath were both real AFL heads so so that's um Nicola Marsh Nicola Marsh and Kath Evans who wrote the other two books because I'm I've written male rugby team so I think with male sports it's it's easier for the characters to just naturally stand up and be themselves and be a bit alpha just because of what they do. So I guess what I'm saying is I found it a challenge to write the hero more than I felt to write the heroine because, you know, she was, you know, a girl who liked sports and she actively pursued that. And that was a really great thing to do as well because I was able to look at the challenges that particularly women face in, you know, we've only just got an AFL, women's AFL league in Australia, you know, so she kind of came from that sort of background. But I actually found the hero more challenging to write because... He wasn't the sports guy. He was he was, he was a physio, else. right? He was a physio, yeah. Um, so as um, he was a sports massage therapist. Okay, my memory for details is like zero. Okay. zero. I write the book and I yeah. can't so quite remember. Yeah, he was a sports massage therapist, so he was a bit more of a zen hippie kind of a guy. And I think that a lot of readers read romance for the hero. I mean, I think they like to be in the heroine's shoes, but I think they read it for the hero. So my biggest challenge, I felt was not the sport that was fun to write and fun to brainstorm with um, with Kath and Nick, but it was it was the hero that was a challenge for me. The book is called Fair Game. So tell me a little bit about writing this hero then, because the trope for Fair Game is that her ex is his best friend and he's the coach of her team? Yeah, he becomes the coach of her team. He, so he's the ex has been off the scene for quite a few years and... The ex used to be, he's almost like his ex-best friend. They used to be friends a long time ago, but they hadn't really had any contact. He's been away and she gets into this team and it's wonderful and it's great. And then she realises that the coach is going to be her ex who, you know, they had a quite a messy sort of a breakup. 
The premise is interesting because normally when when the blurb starts like that, I just assume that it's going to be like she gets back with the ex. But then I'm like, oh no, there's this other guy now. So it's kind of unrequited love. It's um, friends to lovers. So he's the guy that's sort of always been a little bit in love with her anyway. So um, there's a lot of, you know, sort of longing in that. Tension. Tension and yeah. So did you have to learn much about AFL? Not really. Most sports romances do tend to be... Outside know, 10% of the sports reader, yeah. and like 90% romance because people are really reading it for the romance. But you can certainly tell like Nick and Kath's books have more... Of the actual sport. Of the actual sport in it. Mine, <laughs> not so much. But also it was good to have them because you know, we read each other's books because I, and I was like, I'd look, you need to read particularly the sports scenes because I'm not sure if I've got it right. And Kath was really good with that. She's like, I had the score, the end score of the game was quite high. And she said... Women's AFL, they don't score that high because I was used to just watching, you know, the 10-minute news segment where they have all the, you know, the 103, the final, yeah. the final score. So I just, like, whacked in some random kind of high number. And she's That's like, interesting. That's do you know why it doesn't score I, that high? I, do, I, do, I have no idea why. I didn't even ask. So okay. I just... You also wrote a series of books that feature rugby union hero, heroes yes. in the rugby union, who in a rugby union team. Yes, the Sydney Smoke rugby series, yeah. Okay, so we'll call it rugby from now on, yes. now that we're clear that it's yes. union. <laughs> it's un- yes, it's rugby union, that's right, yeah. Are there any similarities between heroes and heroines who are athletes, do you I, think? They all have to have that, you know, that drive, drive. and that single focus and um, how they take care of their bodies. And that was a really good thing about the women's AFL book was when I was kind of researching a bit and I was watching the ABC did a doco on the women's AFL and I was really impressed with how diverse body shapes and stuff were in the in the in the whole league and how well athletes look after their bodies it's all about nutrition and what they put into them so all those things you know were really were really similar but mostly the drive that and that wanting to wanting to always be at the top of their game I'm actually surprised that we haven't had something like this that we don't have more of it in Australia especially where women playing sport is not really uncommon like it, I don't feel like we see it enough that I can name books off the top of my head with No, that's right. I think even a lot of the um, there's a few American sports books that feature women not that I can think of any of but I know that they are out there but it's no it's not it's not common. But I think that also gets back to what readers want to read about, you know, they want their heroes to be hyper-masculine, I guess, and yeah. sport kind of makes that um, That's assumption. True. That's true, yeah. I mean, we don't get, you know, what's that snow thing where you sweep the ball across the... <laughs> like, you don't really get heroes doing curling. No, no, that's... <laughs> Bowling. <laughs> Bowling. Bowling. Um, so Kate Cuthbert, the managing editor for Escape Publishing, mm. gave, like, a brilliant keynote this morning. She like, did. She got a standing ovation yeah. at RWA, which you don't really see very often. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that she mentioned was safe sex. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I know during morning tea we had a very quick sort of laugh about the implications for writers on having safe sex in a book. So talk us through, as a writer, what that's like. Uh, As a writer, I found it frustrating in the beginning that because we're romance writers, we're expected to explicitly say there's a condom being used or there's not being a condom used if if for some reason you don't want it to happen. Right, because the default is, if you don't mention it, the default is that they didn't use a condom. That's right. I read any book now where they're having sex and there's no condom use. I'm like, well, why not? What's happening here? Are they not doing it? Are they not using it? And then if they're not using it, that needs to be stated as well for whatever reason. 
And I was saying to you and Kate, I just wish that all of my books had a disclaimer at the front saying, you know, unless otherwise stated, say <laughs> sexual practices are always, you know, done in Amy Andrews books. Like, so I don't have to deal with, because it's just, it's like, I guess it's like the actual sex in real life when there's a condom involved and it kind of stops and stalls and it's like, it's, you know, there's no way really to do it romantically. And then it's what you do with it afterwards. So for a while, a long time, I struggled with the whole how do you write it into a scene so it doesn't, like, stall the flow? And now I'm more obsessed with how you get rid of it afterwards. It's like, we're just going to lay there and talk, and it's, like, on his, you right, know, on his normally, bits for, like, an hour, and, like, what's happening with that? All the visuals is just, you know, not good, so. Well, we did talk about how you can solve that by just putting a bin in the next to the bedside table, and um, Jodie McAllister, who was in the group with us, was saying it might just be an issue of interior design. That's right. That's right. Exactly. All heroes should have bins beside their beds. I've had it so they kind of get up and go to the bathroom. And so you don't then explicitly say they're going to get rid of the condom, but it's implied that that's what they're doing, you know, because mostly men... But it's interesting. There's no pressure to kind of talk about, well, how did you pick up your clothes afterwards and put it in the laundry basket? (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? But I think maybe it's because the conversation after sex is often just as important as what happened during sex. And so you can't do a kind of a time lapse you've got to just got to go from one to the other and the condoms although you can i guess you can you can end the scene and then chapter where there's you know stars and rainbows and unicorns happening in the in the bedroom department and then you can restart in another point of view where it's like a little while later and it's obviously always already and i've done that as well in the beginning i tried not to explicitly do the actual putting on the condom i'd tried to like do stuff like when they got out of bed he stepped over like you know the foil packets like kind of did it retrospectively yeah, yeah. like imply I imply that they've used it. them but now now I've just done, done it for so long I'm actually quite I'm quite comfortable with actually writing it in and I know that we have to it's very important safe sex all that safe, safe sex I, I mean always. I would love it so that it's so common that we assume if it's not mentioned that it's there yes well that's what Kate was saying around. in her speech that it's you know it should be a cliche Condoms in romance should be a cliche because it's just, it's just yeah, like, always there. Everybody, used it. everybody does you? it. That's yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you have a nursing background. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So then this also came up at morning tea. So condom is one thing, and it's usually framed around birth control. But yes. what about STDs? We mm. don't really do we deal with that very well in romance in terms of safe sex to protect women from STD or men from STDs yes I don't know that we do I tend to I don't, I don't know if I bang on about it much in books but bang on I see what you did there Amy <laughs> yeah, but it is that if I'm dealing with it from purely we're doing this not to get pregnant thing then I feel like we need to talk about we've had the health check and we're all clear or something like that because it is also you're right it's absolutely about you know um sexually transmitted diseases as well again not sexy things to talk about. No. How do you have that conversation? I did write a scene once and my, I was kind of made to take it out or made to tame it down. The heroine was really nervous about going and having sex with the heroes, but a one-night stand thing. And she's like a lawyer and he's a doctor and he, they, she kind of gets to the door with him and she gets a bit nervous and she's like, have you got any condoms? And he's like, had a relationship that's broken up. He hasn't had sex in like a year. He's got like a box of condoms from like two <laughs> years ago. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, yes, I've got condoms. And she's like, are they expired? (laughs) So she makes him bring the box of condoms to the door and she checks the expiry date on the back of the condoms because it's kind of 
and I love running that scene. It was very funny, but they actually made me take it out. So what? <laughs> well, I, I guess they're like, come on, enough with the condoms already. <laughs> but to some extent, does it then reflect real life practices? I mean, do do people really talk about STDs before like having sex that is kind of impulsive? I guess. Well, they should, I suppose. Well, That's the should thing. is one thing, but yeah. like... Well, do I don't know. Think? I've been married for 32 years to the one man, so I don't know what the kids are doing these days. <laughs> They're swiping left and right. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm hoping that my children are having those conversations with their partners. Yeah, I don't know. Because I remember when I first started reading Mills and Boone, about the same age that you did. I mean, I had sex education at school, but the romance books that I read that were explicit sort of helped form my ideas of... Uh, what good sex is. Yes, yeah. But I don't, <laughs> I don't ever recall really conversations about STDs ever. I think I've had a few where the woman was very um, sexually confident and she definitely know there was one Kathleen O'Reilly book called The Longest Night mm. where he basically came came around and gave her the doctor's sort of, I don't know, his blood test results or whatever and yes. said, listen, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. She's, and she's basically like, this is the best present anyone's ever given me. So, <laughs> um, But it's so rare. Yeah. And, and um, I don't know how the kids do it. <laughs> I've been married a long time too. Yeah, well, I think, I guess it is different in a one night stand situation but I think you'd have to think about it and you just hope that people do obviously clearly they they don't otherwise you wouldn't have an STD problem yeah that's true and I I, I, you know to some extent I guess what we think of as sort of sexual chemistry between people who Mm. don't know each other well Mm. is kind of in romance is always that overwhelming feeling of I can't stop myself even though I know it's probably not a good idea Mm. but then what about the conversation after then like actually I think that conversation maybe we're having more in romance whereas Mm. before it was just, it would lead to basically unwanted pregnancy. Yes. And then that would be the trope that yes. brings them together. Whereas yeah. now it's more like, how do I handle it? Well, I know I've had, I've written quite a few scenes where they've, they've had a one night stand or they've had sex that's been hurried and they've really not kind of, it's just all happened really quickly. But in those situations, I always... Like, to me, um, my heroines always have, like, dual contraception. Like, they yeah. always are usually on They're some co- other of kind of form of contraception anyway, as well as using a condom. So I don't have to worry Do you think the pregnancy. morning after pill is still taboo in romance? Oh, that's a good question. I've never used it. Now you're giving me a challenge. I don't know. I don't think I've... Don't think I've I don't think I've read... Have you read any with... I don't think I've read any with a um, morning after I pill situation going on. And I'm, maybe a Suzanne Brockman... I okay. definitely have read it, but not enough that I can remember any titles, yeah. to be honest. Because certainly in situations, yeah, okay, that's I, I I do remember I've read ones where the heroine's been like, oh my God, we didn't use a condom, what shall I do? And I'm like, go to the bloody doctor woman. Like, it's <laughs> not that you, hard. I don't think you have to go to the doctor, then you can go to the chemist and just get it, or a sexual <laughs> health clinic or something. So on a more sort of broad industry view do you feel like romance now has a better foothold let's talk about the australian literary industry because you know we have genre con and romance is always sort of very Mm. welcome in genre con which is in queensland yeah has that has that part of your writing life sort of changed in terms of being able to interact with people outside of romance but who are open to romance genre con is fantastic and you know all those things are 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 great and and genre is different to literary and I don't really don't think we have been or will ever be really truly accepted into any kind of you know any kind of highfalutin literary circles at all and for a while I've like I've kind of always quite railed against that because I think there's it's such, a bit unfair really it is but you know what I'm all, part of me now goes well 
so what? Yeah. You know, why are we even bothering to try and say, hey, look at us? The people that it's like read you're it, trying to beg to get in exactly. The and what what I find the most galling, probably of all, is that I'm sure it's been romance and romance books and romance money that's come into publishing houses that has filled the coffers so that they can they can afford to print. Uh, and, and, and take on, you know, more literary work, more uh, fiction, which, of course, we have to have as well. That's wonderful. But they're actually being able to do that on the back of a lot of hardworking romance authors who... Well, what I always find super interesting is when a festival like Sydney Writers will invite romance publishers to the publishing day mm. to talk about, you know, this is what the digital market's like, mm. this is, you know, this is how you e-publishing is this way these are the e-publishing markets and so on but zero romance authors in the actual festival Mm. and you're like you're acknowledging that romance publishing is at the forefront of digital publishing and really all sorts of publishing Mm. but you don't have any space for the authors that they've got like if like i said i just i'm tired of butting my head up against that as well um but i mean the community in australia for romance writers is huge anyway right yeah, there's a really good supportive. Um, Are you seeing a lot of writers from self-publishing go through RWA as well, or is it still predominantly th- traditional? Oh, there's definitely think? more like digital only, digital first, self-published indie people in the organisation, definitely. But I think there's a huge untapped amount of you know Australian indie authors out there who have never heard of RWA, don't even know that it exists. And it would be awesome to be able to you know, like have tap into them as well and have them, you know, come along and because organisations always need refreshing and renewing and having all new ideas coming in. So let me segue into um, my second final question, which is, um, <laughs> sure, what books are you reading now and really enjoying? I read all the books in the my the section that I funneled in the Rita, so I read all those. So they're all category so romance. Category romance. Yep. You know who I'm really loving? I really love Eve Dangerfield. Who's a Melbourne author? I discovered her. I think it was last year, the year before. Yeah. And I haven't had a chance to to go through her backlist, but the one that I read was Lockbox, which yes. I really enjoyed. It's a pretty short backlist at the moment, so you you don't have to. It's not like my backlist, so. Your back- <laughs> Listen, I tried to prepare for this interview, but I was like, where, where do I begin? Like, but I have read your books, so I don't feel quite as guilty. I yes. just it's just that I'm running behind. <laughs> Uh, so I recommend um, Eve to to everyone. Is she self published or is she published? She's, by... She was self published. I think just, I think she's done some self published and she's done some with a smaller publisher. I've just finished just read Kelly Hunter's Outback Brides, which I really loved. Love all of Kelly's stuff. That whole series. I've got all the series. Catherine Hines, um, Elsa Stan is really good as well. I've got all the series. Just haven't got round to it. Eve Dangerfield did Captivated with Tessa Bailey. Oh, I haven't that read one? that one. That one's really that's one, that one's really awesome. And I've actually been buying a lot of Mal Mal because I'm about to write my first Mal Mal. I read Ainsley Patton's latest one. The um... so your um, Kindle is stacked with uh, Aussie authors. Um, I do have a lot of Aussie authors, yeah, because yeah. I have my favourites. Stephanie London, I really like as well. I'm really loving the new Dare series. I'm going to give that a whirl myself. Um, what's another? What's a US author that I've been that I've been reading? I've been doing this Goodreads challenge. Oh, have you? I've um, given up on challenges. I'm well, so only because it was a great way to because I read books and then I forget that I've read them, and so I like that I can actually go. Okay, 
this book I read and you can make little private notes on it and stuff. So I really, I've been enjoying kind of just doing that really. I love Laura Kay. Laura Kay's got a biker series and the last one was Ride. I think Ride I've Life. read, oh, no, I think I have read her series. I don't know if it was bikers yeah. or... She, like, she I know walked, they had tattoos, a lot of tattoos. Yeah, it started off in a tattoo. So I think that's the one I read. Yeah, in a tattoo clinic, and then there's a bunch of bikers, and I think then that went on to be, like, have another spin-off as well. I really like her writing. And so tell us a bit about your latest books and what you're currently working on. Okay, so um, I'm currently working on my bunny book. What's a bunny book? <laughs> well, it's a book with bunnies in it for Entangle. I'm doing a lot of work for Entangle Publishing. So they've got my rugby series. I've got two more rugby series books to write, which I'll be writing next year. I'm going to be writing a dare. I've written a small town American contemporary romance set in a, in a fictitious town in Colorado, which I'm really excited about. It's called Nothing But Trouble. And what's that about? So that is about a town that has no women that advertises um, for the single ladies to come and oh. um, uh, stay in perhaps, you know. Isn't that Alaska? <laughs> yeah, a little bit like that. It's kind of, it was fun doing a bit of research for that. Um, and it's actually about the, the hometown hero of, of that town is a, is a quarterback that, that played for Denver for years. And he's come back, he's come back to write his memoir with his long-suffering PA. Um, so when's that coming out? It's coming out in May. Okay, on that note, thank you very much. Oh, that's okay. Thank you for having me. That's all we have time for in this episode. Huge thanks to our soothing audio producer, Rudy Brema. You can find the show notes for episode 66 at bookthingo.com.au slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other listeners like you find the show. And a very big thank you to Diva Flip, who gave us five stars and wrote, It's great to find such a great podcast coming out of Australia, which focuses on the local industry, as well as looking at the bigger picture worldwide. Diva Flip, if you're listening to this episode, thank you so much. And we're so glad that you're enjoying the show. In the next episode, the Book Thingo bloggers are back. And we'll be talking about love languages. If you don't already know, one type of love language is words of affirmation. So make sure you send us your words of affirmation in the form of a review on Apple Podcasts or a tweet. And in the meantime, have a fabulous fortnight of reading.